Hey, welcome back, everybody! Welcome. Chip Nerick, reading through the Bible. No, Chip, I need you to match my energy. I will in a little bit. Okay. Today is day 143. Woo! 143. That's exciting. It's very exciting. We're going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 34 through 36, verse 21. Oh, almost there. Almost there. Today we're going to read about what the children's program looked like in ancient Israel. Oh. At least for one person. Okay. One single person. One single person. So here it is. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Oh, yes. That was their children's program. Yeah. Good yeah. program. <laughs> yeah. You're king now. <laughs> Yikes. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek God of his ancestor David. Then in the twelfth year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal be demolished and that the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols, and the cast images were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the pagan priests on their own altars, and so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. He did the same thing in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and in the regions all around them. He destroyed the pagan altars and the astral poles, and he crushed the idols into dust. He cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of his reign, after he had purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed Shaphan, son of Azaliah, Masaiah, the governor of Jerusalem, and Joah, son of Joahaz, the royal historian, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. They gave Hilkiah the high priest the money that had been collected by the Levites who served as gatekeepers at the temple of God. The gifts were brought by people from Manasseh, Ephraim, and from all the remnant of Israel, as well as from Judah, Benjamin, and the people of Jerusalem. He entrusted the money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they paid the workers who did the repairs and renovation of the temple. They hired carpenters and builders who purchased finished stone for the walls and timber for the rafters and beams. They restored what earlier kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. The workers served faithfully under the leadership of Jahath and Obadiah, Levites of the Mirrorite clan, and Zechariah and Mashulam, Levites of the Kohite clan. Other Levites, all of whom were skilled musicians, were put in charge of the laborers and of the various trades. Still others assisted as secretaries, officials, and gatekeepers. While they were bringing the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan took the scroll to the king and reported, Your officials are doing everything they were assigned to do. The money that was collected at the temple of the Lord has been turned over to the supervisors and workmen. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asaiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for all the remnant of Israel and Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. 
For the Lord's great anger has been poured out on us because our ancestors have not obeyed the word of the Lord. We have not been doing everything this scroll says to do. So Hilkiah and the other men went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on the city and its people. All the curses written in the scroll that was read to the king of Judah will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this city and its people. You humbled yourself and tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You yourself will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this people on this city and its people. So they took her message back to the king. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and Levites, all the people from greatest to the least. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. He promised to obey all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And he required everyone in Jerusalem and the people of Benjamin to make a similar pledge. The people of Jerusalem did so, renewing their covenant with God, the God of their ancestors. So Josiah removed all detestable idols from the land of Israel and required everyone to worship the Lord their God. And throughout the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Well, then Josiah announced that the Passover of the Lord will be celebrated in Jerusalem. And so the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day in the first month. Josiah also assigned the priests to their duties and encouraged them in their work at the temple of the Lord. He issued this order to the Levites, who were to teach all Israel and who had been set apart to serve the Lord. Put the holy ark in the temple that was built by Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. You no longer need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders. Now spend your time serving the Lord your God and his people Israel. Report for duty according to the family divisions of your ancestors, following the directions of King David of Israel and the directions of his son Solomon. Then... Stand in the sanctuary at the place appointed for your family division and help the families assigned to you as they bring their offering to the temple. Slaughter the Passover lambs, purify yourselves, and prepare to help those who come. Follow all the directions that the Lord gave through Moses. Then Josiah provided 30,000 lambs and young goats for the people's Passover offerings, along with 3,000 cattle, all from the king's own flocks and herds. The king's officials also made willing contributions to the people, priests, and Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the administrators of God's temple, they gave the priests 2,600 lambs and young goats and 300 cattle as Passover offerings. The Levite leaders, Kononiah and his brothers Shemaiah and Nathaniel, as well as Hashabiah, Jael, and Josabab, they gave 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 cattle to the Levites for their Passover offerings. Well, when everything was ready for the Passover celebration, the priests and the Levites took their places, organized by their divisions, as the king had commanded. The Levites then 
slaughtered the Passover lambs and presented the blood to the priest who sprinkled the blood on the altar while the Levites prepared the animals. They divided the burnt offerings among the people by their family groups so they could offer them to the Lord as prescribed in the book of Moses. They did the same with the cattle. Then they roasted the Passover lambs as prescribed and they boiled the holy offerings in pots, kettles, and pans and brought them out quickly so people could eat them. Afterward, the Levites prepared Passover offerings for themselves and for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, because the priests had been busy from morning till night offering the burnt offerings and the fat portions. The Levites took responsibility for all these preparations. The musicians, descendants of Asaph, were in their assigned places following the commands that had been given by David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer. The gatekeepers guarded the gates and did not leave their post of duty for their Passover offerings were prepared for them by their fellow Levites. The entire ceremony for the Lord's Passover was completed that day. All the burnt offerings were sacrificed on the altar of the Lord, as King Josiah had commanded, and all the Israelites presented in Jerusalem celebrated Passover and the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Never since the time of the prophet Samuel had there been such a Passover. None of the kings of Israel had ever kept a Passover as Josiah did involving all the priests and the Levites, all the people of Jerusalem, and people from all over Judah and Israel. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. After Josiah had finished restoring the temple, King Necho of Egypt led his army up from Egypt to do battle at Carchemish on the Euphrates River, and Josiah and his army marched out to fight him. But King Necho sent messengers to Josiah with this message. What? Do you want with me, king of Judah? I have no quarrel with you today. I am on my way to fight another nation, and God has told me to hurry. Do not interfere with God, who is with me, or he will destroy you. But Josiah refused to listen to Necho, to whom God had indeed spoken, and he would not turn back. Instead, he disguised himself and led his army into battle on the plain of Megiddo. But the enemy archers hit King Josiah with their arrows and wounded him. He cried out to his men, Take me from the battle, for I am badly wounded. They lifted Josiah out of his chariot and placed him in another chariot. Then they brought him back to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried there in the royal cemetery, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. The prophet Jeremiah composed funeral songs for Josiah, and to this day choirs still sing these sad songs about his death. These songs of sorrow have be- have become a tradition and are recorded in the book of laments. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion carried out according to what was written in the law of the Lord from beginning to end are all are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then the people of the land took Josiah's son Jehoahaz and made him the next king in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Then he was deposed by the king of Egypt, who demanded that Judah pay 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold as tribute. The king of Egypt then installed Eliakim, the brother of Jehoahaz, as the next king of Judah and Jerusalem. And he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Then Necho took Jehoahaz to Egypt as a prisoner. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Mm. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and captured it. And he bound Jehoiakim in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took some of the treasures from the temple of the Lord and he placed them in his palace in Babylon. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign, including all the evil things he did and everything found against him, they're recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then his son Jehoiachin became the next king. 
Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. Jehoiachin did what was evil in the Lord's sight. In the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiachin to Babylon. What did I do here? Oh, in the spring of the year, Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiachin to Babylon. Many treasures from the temple of the Lord were also taken to Babylon at that time. And Nebuchadnezzar installed Jehoiachin's uncle, Zedekiah, as the next king in Judah and Jerusalem. Well, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became next when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and he refused to humble himself when the prophet Jeremiah spoke to him directly from the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Even though he had taken an oath of loyalty in God's name, Zedekiah was a hard and stubborn man, refusing to turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Likewise, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. They followed all the pagan practices of the surrounding nations, desecrating the temple of the Lord that had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against them. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. The king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God, and the the treasures from both the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials. Then his army burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. And that is our reading today. Wow. Two. Boy, some high highs and some low lows in that reading, huh? Got this whole religious revival from Josiah, and then, yeah, down it goes. Down, down, down. Hey, so as we were reading that chip, yep. Um, what mm. what did that tell you about God? It told me that God's word must be obeyed. Mm. Josiah did. He obeyed the word of the Lord. Yeah, he found it, got it, read it, obeyed it, lived by it, and he pledged to obey. The Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. That's a good move. Yeah, and then we see the move. contrast after that with all these yeah. bad kings that did not do that. Yeah. They did their yeah. own thing, yeah. not Before. God's thing. Yeah. And it was terrible for them. Yeah. And for the land and for Israel and Judah. Yep. Just as Jeremiah had predicted. I know. And it's a good shout out. Yep. It's we a good shout out from shout Ezra. Out Jeremiah. Hey, by yeah. the way, Jeremiah told you so. Yeah. God's word must be obeyed. Yeah. I think that's cool, and I think God's word must be obeyed no matter what boundaries human beings want to put on us to as we obey it. So I love that Josiah is 16 when he starts to make these big sweeping religious uh, moves in Judah, and 16 was not old enough to be like a real leader outside of being king, I guess, but like you're not going to be the patriarch of your family at 16 years old, you no. know? You're not going to be a respected adult at 16 years old. In fact, in ancient in ancient uh, Hebraic or ancient Jewish customs, I don't think you are allowed to even participate until you were 12. So, in a normal 
in a normal sense, he wouldn't have even been doing anything until he was 12 years old. So he'd only have four years. Anyway, my point is he's way too young to be king, and he's way too young to be this religious, um, like, uh, revolutionary, basically, in his own land. Mm -hmm. He's way too young for that. But that is a man-made limitation that we Mm -hmm. put on. And he's the king of Judah. Mm. He's not the king of Israel. That's true. And yet he's going through Ephraim, Mm. Manasseh, Simeon, Naphtali, tearing down all of these altars and Asherah poles. Why? Because he doesn't care about the man-made limitations of, oh, this is your kingdom over here. Stay out of over there. Let them do the wrong thing. Let them be idol worshipers and stuff. Mm. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care about any of the limitations that could be put on his life by men. You're too young. You, you don't have the authority to go out there and do that. He steps up like David did as a young man. He steps up and says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for the Lord. And I'm going to do it with the faith that um, God will bless it. And I'm going to do it. Why? Because God's word must be obeyed. Hmm. And so, yeah, so sure. that's what that tells me yeah. about us today is that we should ignore the limitations men put on us, yeah. human beings put on us. And just go after what God says. Go after what God says is possible. Mm-hmm. Go after what God says is right. And yeah. ignore the rest. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. It's good. I like it. Yeah. So what do we do with that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an application in itself. It is. Like, I was just get ready to add. Ignore the rest. I was getting ready to add. And also, as led by the Holy Spirit, speak up against it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, not, not tolerate it. Yeah. I think take a, a little self-inventory of where you limit yourself in response to what people have said to you or about you. You know, do you, do you like shy away from doing certain things in ministry or in obedience to God because someone has told you you're not good enough or, true. you know, you don't have the authority to do that or it's the wrong thing, um, but you know that God is calling you to do that or that the Bible says to do that. Um, yeah. you know, are you letting human beings dictate your behavior more than you're letting God's word dictate your behavior? And I think that that is an important question for all of us, yeah. for, for pastors, for casual readers of the Bible, Chip and Eric listeners, all believers. That yeah. is an important question. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are you limiting what you do for the kingdom of God because of what human beings have said to you? Yeah. Yeah. Josiah is a great example mm-hmm. of someone who can get it done regardless of the age. The age and the, I just, I, as I'm reading this, it's mm-hmm. never stood out to me before. He just was like, yeah, I'm the king of Judah. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm going to yeah. go take care do of it. The business in Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon and Naphtali. And I like that because he blessed them. He blessed them. Yeah. That was a blessing to them. Yeah. Because he, he ignored to. the boundaries. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Pretty sweet. You can bless people when you ignore man-made boundaries. And obey God's word. Amen. Cool. Good well, stuff. thank you guys for listening today. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow. Shout out to Kim Mueller's hairdresser. I do not remember her name right now. I think it's Gina. She listens faithfully, and she binged us like crazy. Well, okay. I know. Big shout so out. big shout out. And let's and just I say it. Let's say what Gina. everyone's thinking. What? Ken's hair looks great. It looks amazing. It looks great. Just, I'm jealous. So good job, quote yeah. unquote, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> if, that's that's her, if that's your name. I told him to text me, but he did not. So. Oh, oh, right under the bus. Yeah. Well, well, Ken, you're under bus. the bus, but it's your hair bus. looks great. It does look great. <laughs> and Gina, yeah, that's who you are. We are so proud of you. I think she, like, yeah, she just went all in. I love that. That's incredible. So good. Big shout out also to Josh Pugh, who is also quite all in. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Double shout out. 
Mm-hmm. Josh Pugh, you're all in, and we love it. Josh and Gina. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Not Gina. together. No, 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 no I don't Gina. mean them together. I just mean maybe <laughs> Gina. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know you were. Oh, yeah, maybe word. Gina. I think it is. I hope it is. I kind of, if it's okay. not, we, so we will With all it. respect to Gina, I okay. kind of hope it's not Gina. <laughs> I hope you got that dead wrong. Oh, Me too. Yeah. But I probably didn't. All right. Well, we'll catch you later. Good job, Gina. Good job being all in, Josh. And goodbye. <laughs>